0: listening to now i've heard everything conversations with the icons of our time
1: the two names that i find romantic laura the name laura is a nice heroic heroinic heroinic name <laughs> and
2: maria i love the name maria actor writer producer carl reiner today on now i've heard everything i'm bill thompson valentine's day this is of course a day of romance and relationships maybe marriage but above all love all kinds of love in fact all kinds of love is the title of the 1993 novel by the fabulous Karl reiner it featured a delightful cast of characters each dealing with romance and not always in conventional ways in a variety of ways all kinds of love you might say and along the way A good deal of comedy, as you might expect from the creator of the iconic TV series, The Dick Van Dyke Show. So here now, from 1993, Carl Reiner. I'm 71 years old,
0: and I'm very happy to be here, Bill. We are thrilled to have you. Did you see that gaggle outside? The, the With This is a wonderfully entertaining story. Why aren't we seeing a book from you every couple of years? Not every couple of years. I, I must write a book every 38 years or I feel
1: lost. <laughs> I feel that something's missing. No, I, I didn't know I was a novelist when I wrote the first one because I was writing a semi-autobiographical novel. But I love the process of sitting there and using your brain, those parts of your brain that you never use, imagination. There, I didn't use it as much because it was remembrances of things that I had done as a young actor, becoming an actor. Then I, after I wrote that, I wrote The Van Dyke Show, which made me write for the next five years in television. Then after that, I started writing movies with Doris Day and people, and, and I wrote movies for a while. And then I never got back to writing solo uh, for a long time, and I was aware of it. I said, someday I'm going to sit down. You know how you say, someday I'm going to sit down uh, a friend of mine wrote a great thing. He says, someday people say, someday I'm going to sit down and do, and then 35 years pass, and you're 65 years old. That's what happened to me, but I had been doing other things. I And I had an urge to see what was inside my brain that I was not allowed to let escape. So using a little tool, I scraped the edges of my cerebrum and came up with this. I realized that I, I've been holding back the sexual me
0: from the world for a long time. My wife knew about it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it did occur to me. Many years ago, my dad went to see Buddy Hackett uh, live, and my dad had only up to that point seen what we'd all, you know, the Disney Buddy Hackett. uh, Oh, yes. And he came home, and Dad was, was you know, whitened. He said, you wouldn't believe the language this <laughs> Buddy know. Hackett is using. Yes. And I'm wondering, you know, people think, they know you from the Dick Van Dyke show, and all these other things, and they pick up this book, and they say, Hey, May, what kind of book is this? <laughs> well, I'm I, not to
1: get people confused, the Buddy Hackett does use language that even makes me say, <laughs> what is he saying in front of people? I don't use language here. I, 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 I My language is not, uh, I don't think I use the... Uh, the R word, the F word, the M word, whatever it is. I don't think it's in there. Oh, yes, it is. One time, that old man, when he when he breaks his hand and he curses at the old man, and the old man berates him for using words like that to a to a fellow who is the president of a synagogue. Uh, but the uh, the fact that I'm sexual is so a surprise to people. But they should have known that. I have three children, and I do like beautiful women. But I just—I I am very much like President Carter— two reasons i'm the former president of the united states you didn't know that did you you, you check it check it you'll see it i think it was the 34th or 33rd somebody like and, and i had lust in my heart for women i did i lusted but i i married 49 years so my lust stayed internal
0: but rob and laura petrie this is not
1: yeah well i love both of those people laura more than rob <laughs>
0: But as, as, a, as a lifelong fan of that show, in fact, I've memorized every episode, I couldn't help thinking they, too, once had an, an, an immigrant maid named Maria. No kidding. And she was cute. It
1: was Miriam Colon, one of the best actresses working on the stage. We plucked her from the stage. And, and, and I, I really was very uh, thrilled that she said yes, because she was a brilliant stage actress, and we had a little part for her. And she read it. She's, no, no, this is very nice. I would love to do it. Maria is a word, well, Maria, it's a very romantic name. There are two names that I find romantic, Laura, which I've used in two or three books. The name Laura is a nice, heroic, heroinic heroinic name. <laughs> and, uh, and Maria, I love the name Maria, the, the young boy, Kevin. 50, 17 years old, falls in love with a. Almost 17. He's almost 17, right. You know, I couldn't figure out the age. I changed the age many times when I was writing it. 18, I know 18 is too sophisticated. 16 is. Little, so he's between 16 and 17. He falls in love with a t- an older woman, a 21 year old Salvadoran maid. Part. Uh, she's a twin. <laughs> she and Carla are twins, Maria. and And I just. Maria to me is romance.
0: Now, Fred and Sharon, meanwhile, have their own little thing going, this, this unusual triangle that, that you introduced well, us to. Uh, uh, unusually since
1: Sharon, Fred and Sharon Cox are married, and they're going on a trip to Japan, and decide Fred decides to take Japanese lessons, and his wife doesn't really think she can ever learn any language. But when she sees who her husband is going to be studying with, a woman who's uh, narrow-waisted, long-legged very tall Japanese woman whose uh, breast was a cup size larger than most Asian women. She decides maybe she should take Japanese lessons too. But they take them separately and both fall in love with her. Our heroine, Sharon, wasn't aware that she had those tendencies. And that, by the way, has happened a lot. That's not from my life, but from somebody I, I knew who found out they were not heterosexual late in their life.
0: I, I would imagine that there's a fair number of readers who will wonder how true to life this is. I mean, after all, you're this, you're in a position to know the kinds of lives people like this lead. Well, it's
1: not true to my life, but it's true to lives I've heard about, I know about, I've been told about, uh, and I put them all together and made a story out of it. Well, there are parts, you know, in No, there's no book that has ever been written that isn't biographical or autobiographical in the sense that even if it's Only in your head, if you're making it up, that's part of you. That's part of you. It's filtered through your... Yeah, your fantasies are part of you. You can't say, well, there's somebody else's fantasy. No, they're mine. And I did get aroused when I was writing the the scenes that should arouse people. And I know it worked because I have a (laughs) sister-in-law who told me she's... And she's very Victorian. She's from another country. She came over during the Holocaust. She married my brother. Very Victorian. No bad language ever escaped her. I went, she does hear a bad word. She, she, oh, she's so shocked. And I don't have any bad language in here, but she was giggling. Now she's an adult. She's many years later. She's giggled and laughed on the phone. She's, oh, God, she says, you're going to give so many women. And she whispered, orgasms. <laughs> and I realized that I had been writing honestly because I was feeling these scenes as being you know, uh, correct. I wasn't making up dirty words, and you, I was using feelings rather than language. And it's not gratuitous. No, it mind. isn't, it? because everybody in the world is sexual, and every time we meet somebody in the book, we're aware, too, of their sexuality, and that happens. Uh, there was only one person I, in the book that I never met, and that was the the character of her sister-in-law, Miriam, who is a, a nymphomaniac, but a very benign one. She's a lovely
0: woman, and she does find true love
1: at the end. And gives up her former ways. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you got a, you got enough plot twists here to to, uh, to keep a, a miniseries going for days at a time. <laughs> I know. I know I may have to do it as a miniseries, but I won't want to do it as a...
1: I'm, I, people are asking me am i going to make a movie out of this, and I happen to not like sex scenes in movies. They <clears throat> embarrass me. When somebody's tongue goes where outside of their own mouth and moving around, I I say, come on, cut away, cut away. And I have done motion pictures where people kiss and it looks like they're going to have sex, but then you cut away to a goldfish or something and let people imagine what they've done because everybody knows what it's like love boat scenario. Yeah, I mean, pornography is a different thing. It's meant to get you aroused. That's why people watch more. But in a motion picture, you want to get moved. You don't want to get aroused. You don't want to sit in a motion picture
2: getting uh, nervous about who you're sitting next to. (laughs) After this short break, Carl Reiner explains why writing a book is so different from writing for TV or movies.
0: Start your day with Now I've Heard
2: Everything.
1: We post new episodes every Monday, Wednesday and Friday at 5 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time.
2: Subscribe now so you'll have something fresh to listen to and get your day going. Now back to my 1993 conversation with Carl Reiner. You could be Leon, couldn't you? Leon, yes. Leon w- would be me if I were if um,
1: um, old-world Jewish. I happen to be... New York Jewish Leon is from the old world and but I love those the para- those are the grandparents of our uh, Mr.
0: and Mrs. Cox and they, formerly Kakovsky but no they're very de- dear people it is it is fascinating for for the Goyim to read uh, uh, <laughs> uh, dialect like that because it is so the, the, the people that you write about are so direct and there mm. is, uh, there is there uh, is nothing subtle about what they feel and how they express it no they express it fully and uh, and that's that's the I think the
1: old world tradition you say your mind and you say it loudly and clearly and you don't get, they don't take umbrage. they're married 50 something years these two people and they love each other But uh, what I like about them is that uh, they're the sensible ones. You know, we forget that old people have gone through a lot, and sometimes their advice and their uh, ability to, to understand life is better
0: than a young person's. Yeah, they seem to sometimes, especially Leon, seems to have his head screwed on a lot straighter sometimes than Fred or Sharon or or Dickie or Miriam or anybody else. Oh, you know the names. Boy, you're (laughs) going to get an A when we give this test. I can see that, Bill. Well, yeah, I mean, look at all these other books I have to read, and this is this is the one I've been spending all week with. Oh, that's nice. That's so, I mean, nice. it really is a good story. I mean, that comes back to what I asked at the beginning. Where have you been all these years? Yeah, I don't know. Now I know I have to write another one. I really... You know, the thing that happens when you write a book
1: like this, you write it for yourself first and hope that people... And I found this all, all the years of my life. If I like it, I'm just another human being. I have no special abilities. To, I may be a little you know working talent but the things you like, you're regularly, I have a wife, I have kids, I, I go to I go do all the natural things you do, and if I like it, I call it the seat of my pants. If I like it, I imagine the audience is going to like it too. But you're really right for yourself. If you don't tickle yourself, you'll never tickle
0: anybody else. I, I, I had a it writer... A
1: good, that's a good title for a book.
0: <laughs> if you don't tickle yourself, you'll never <laughs> tickle anybody else. A, 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 a very famous writer whose name I can't remember once told me that he... He's he, not that famous. Thing. So that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Had complained to his agent that this book was keeping him up all night writing, and the agent said, if it doesn't keep you up all night writing, it ain't going to keep them up all night reading. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he kept on because he was interested. That's true, though. When you get
1: involved, and I write a book not knowing where I'm going. It's an uncharted course I take. I, the first line of the book is the first line I put down, and I had no idea who those people were. And I have no plot, no, no but when people come into the book, I get interested in them, and I say, who are they? And I investigate them, and then... Uh, I have to go t- further. I say, where do they go? What are they doing? And so it, it was like going from A to Z without having any any uh, map. And that's the excitement because you can take side roads. And if those side roads lead somewhere, you mine them. If not, get back onto the road. And, and as a matter of fact, this book was much longer because there's a section in the book about cults. They go to a cult pl- and I hate cults, you know, this, and I just realized, I wrote it last year, now Karish is uh, right on the news today, and, and the cult I described, which is called Luminescence, is very much like this guy who, who was having sex with all these people. I, I was a very, I couldn't get off this this section. It was about 50 pages long, and I cut it down to about, I don't know, 10, 15, mm-hmm. because Uh, I went too far on the side road. I had to get back to the story. But that side road could have made another book, because, Kerish, I'm sure a lot of books are going to come out about this guy. Boy, yeah, that's for sure. Did you hear Jay Leno about him the other night? I thought it was wonderful. He said, you know, he he says he's God. He says, well, he just had two lawyers come into the compound to discuss the rights to a book. He says, if he were God, wouldn't he know that he's got the bestseller of all
0: time? (laughs) So maybe he couldn't be God. (laughs) When you when, when you sat down to write this, did did you somehow in your mind picture a television show, a movie? I mean, do you know I pictured d- a does, book? Does does your mind think though in terms of when you're writing a story? The two things because I've been doing movies so long and
1: television so long that every time a character came into my mind, I said well, who would who would that be? And then I said forget that. Because when I read when I wrote about Hannah Yoshi, I realized there's no way to cast that woman. You'd have to have a worldwide search for like, for Scarlett O'Hara, because she's described as being so tall, so very beautiful, breathtakingly beautiful, with uh, as as the woman who sees her for the first time when her uh, the um, Sharon Cox looks at this beautiful girl coming through her door. She, and her red, lush lips parted and she saw teeth that couldn't possibly exist. Never saw teeth like that in her life. I mean, she's just too beautiful for words. I said, how you cast that? I said, forget it. I don't have to cast that. I'm writing a book. And every time I came to some, I said, forget it. Because your head is always thinking about the what you did before.
0: Yes. And I was saying, no, Reiner, you're doing a book, not a movie. <laughs> it's very similar, I guess, to to old-time radio in that in that sense, isn't it? Because if you don't have to, on radio, you can have exactly. people imagine what a particular sound, uh, you I know, know. What, what the image must go with that. Uh. I love radio for that.
1: And, and as a matter of fact, there was one actor called Martin Gable, who was married to Arlene France, who had the most beautiful radio voice of all. He did about four different leading man heroes, Dick Tracy, uh, millions. I mean, he was a short, dark-haired fellow, pleasant-looking, but he was not a the image you had in your mind of that voice and that's why I love radio like people who don't know what we look like think we're handsome <laughs> or maybe think we're goopy from the sound of our voice but, but that's wonderful about radio make the person you want the image to look like
0: yeah, I have to tell you, we we're sitting here talking for you know the better part of fifteen, twenty minutes, and I still can't believe I'm in the same room with Alan Brady. <laughs> I mean, this is, I mean, really, you you must after all, after all these years, people must still love that. I, I love that show so much. You want to know something? Dick called me yesterday, Dick Van Dyke in person.
1: Uh, I was on a talk show, and he called in Boston, and he was we talking for a while, and then he called me last night when I got to Washington. and and he says he was all excited like a kid now this man is you know eight years old younger than I am he's all gray grayer than I am because he has hair to get gray and he was all excited because TV Guide voted the Dick Van Dyke show as the best show of the 60s Lucy of the 50s the Dick Van Dyke of the sixty, 60s, uh, uh, Lucy of the 50s, Van Dyke of the 60s, MASH of the 70s, and he was all excited. And then he voted him the best performer in the 60s, and he was like a kid again. And I know why it is, because there's these reruns now running all over the country. And, and he's the chairman of Nick at Night. Yeah, and he's the chairman of Nick at Night. And they realize, oh, I've said it all my life, uh, all my theatrical life, i said Dick Van Dyke is the greatest single Uh, situation comedy performer of all time there's never been anybody there are very talented people alan alders talented and carol o'connor these are great talents but nobody could do the different things that dick was a great actor but did all of these other things so well the pantomimes the singing dancing i mean he was he had it all he has it all
2: carl reiner was 98 when he died in 2020 now you can get a copy of all kinds of love by carl reiner By tapping the link in our show notes or by going to our website, heardeverything.com. We may earn an Amazon commission if you make a purchase. And heardeverything.com is where you can also hear my 1988 conversation with the author of what many consider one of the most iconic love stories of our time, the author of Love Story, Eric Siegel.
0: When I wrote Love Story, I didn't know how it was going to end. And he says, love means never having to
1: say you're sorry. I knew that was going to happen. But then they fall in each other's arms and Oliver
2: cries, I didn't have the slightest idea that was going to happen. And I burst into tears. And my 1998 conversation with the author of a book about a young woman who is just seeking any kind of love, the author of Bridget Jones' diary, Helen Fielding. Singleton
0: is a modern word for a spinster, because spinster is a horrid word, I think. You know, the idea of a tragic, barren person who's going to end up dying alone and being found three weeks later half-eaten by her dog. <laughs> Singleton is much better. It's modern, and it, it, it says what Bridget is.
2: And, of course, we post new episodes of Now I've Heard Everything every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and you can find us everywhere you listen to podcasts. And thank you so much for listening. Next time on Now I've Heard Everything, another actor comedian writer who turned to fiction my 2010 interview with former in living color star damon wayans it's great to speak your mind but sometimes they'll get you in trouble people will call you a troublemaker or you're not a team player and they got all these different words for somebody who just has a strong opinion that's next time on now i've heard everything i'm bill thompson